This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring instant, is Lyle Fulton, and I'm joined, as I hope I always will be, by the absolutely brilliant Jackie Vores. We're back once again, Jackie, on Thursday afternoons, the home of when we record these podcasts. And I'm able to say for the first time, I think this year, listeners, it's jumper weather. We're both, to our eagle-eyed viewers, we're both in jumpers. The weather has turned. It's a bit colder now. But how are you? Other than the weather having changed, how are you this fine Thursday afternoon? How's your week been? Week's been great. It's conference season. <laughs> Not only is it political party conference season in the UK, it is tech and games conference season so at the end of the last week i went to maloko's 10th anniversary uh, birthday celebration which was amazing and um, thank you maloko for inviting me and then there was the ua society last week now this week we've been working with one of our clients games forum for their london event uh, which was phenomenally successful and um, i i moderated a couple of panels there and yeah, it's been, it's just been super, super busy. And one of those panels was all about some fallout that's happened within the games industry around Unity and their, and their recent activities and their behavior towards their customers. I mean, as segues go, don't get me wrong, I'm still very, very proud of you, but that was a bit of an open goal this week because obviously the two, <laughs> the two are linked, right? You've been, you hosted a panel when it came to what's been going on with Unity. And actually, listeners, everything that's been going on with Unity recently, if you haven't been keeping up to date on it, up to speed on it, Jackie will fill you in because Jackie knows a little bit more about this than I do, obviously having hosted a panel on it quite recently. But it got us thinking about leadership. It got us thinking about leadership in business, leadership in general. And as is always the case with the rest of PR, yours truly is hosting it. There will no doubt be some form of football analogy when it comes to leadership as well, which we spoke about. Exactly. We spoke about it before we went live. Yeah, it is interesting to me. So what happened? And while this is a games industry thing, I mean, Unity is a publicly listed company. It's a, you know, it's it's stocks have taken a big hit recently. So essentially what Unity at, at its core is a development platform where programmers can develop games, apps, etc. And it really has had a leadership position. It's almost a monopoly on the market, really. Most developers do or have developed within the Unity universe. And so they kind of have this, and they pay at the moment by subscription. So they'll buy a seat. It's a classic software as a service company. Developers, depending on the size of their company, will buy a seat at the table to get to get their engineer a subscription to the Unity platform. And Unity does all sorts of different things and, and, it, and it has acquired different companies and has merged with different companies to try to increase its revenues. Because the problem with how Unity has been set up, even though it's at the heart of developers and development for games, it really isn't making very much money. Its business model hasn't historically been that good because it 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 fires all these games which make millions and millions and millions, but the platform, the development platform, doesn't make the sort of money that some of its clients make. So one would argue that they need to do something about their business model and they need to do something about it quite quickly because obviously they have shareholders. 
who are looking to realize value from, from their investments. Now, Unity had this leader called John Ricciello. I hope I've said that name correctly. JR as he's known. So let's mm. stick to JR mm. for sake of my pronunciation. Now, JR is has got an immense business record behind him, not just in the game sphere, but in many different businesses. He's got a great record of building businesses up. Ostensibly, he's a sales guy, but he's and he's a multi multi millionaire, if not a billionaire now. Yeah. And this this chap, John Jr., he as the leader of Unity decided that he was going to enforce and announce out of the blue a complete curveball charging system called Runtime, where all the developers were to be charged a percentage of their install costs, a percentage of the the money that they make on all their games has to go to Unity Hmm. if they're developed within Unity. Now, a lot of people on on the service of things might say, well, fair enough, you know, Unity's powering these games, taking a, you know, a little fee isn't so bad. But, and here's the but, when you're looking at games that are free to play and make their money out of in-app purchases or um, and you look at smaller indie developers, the bigger developers were hit in terms of money, obviously, but for them, it was re- all relative. But the smaller developers who have games out in the market that and that they're working to set business plans and set margins would just make their businesses bankrupt. And the you know the sort of and also the the way the the pricing was enforced wasn't it hadn't been thought out. Some people were getting let out if they joined Unity's ads platform, um, but if they joined that ads platform, they had to be having ads in their games. The blanket, the blanket thing as well. Them. Yeah, exactly. The blanket so, thing. I did a bit of research on this. Was was that it was twenty cents per download after you'd reached either 200,000 downloads or a 200,000 pound revenue yeah. you know, hit. But what was arguably the most controversial part of this, you know, how, how this was imposed was like you rightly point out, it was very out of the blue and it was a massive curveball from JR firstly. But the second thing is that the entire process and this imposition, which is what it essentially was, financial imposition was also retroactive. So if you'd been on Unity for years and years and you'd had tens of millions of downloads, you were still... I'm not sure how far back they were trying Yeah, but it was low Unity money based on that. Just the whole structure, the whole pricing structure was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Eric Kress, who we know, who's been on our podcast, said some really quite fruity things about how on earth they could have got it so wrong um, when they employ chief economists at unity with you know at the huge salaries the the just the structure of the pricing was terrible you know even things like they were saying emerging markets weren't going to be charged but no there, there was no specification around what were emerging markets it was just a, it was just rubbish it was just rubbish right from start to finish and the way it was done and that's what we're going to focus on right now was appalling and this guy, JR, has history because he actually described his customers as bleep, 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 <laughs> or just bleep, bleep, idiots. When Proud it, of you. Yeah, I, I really did want to say it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he used the, the F-bomb quite literally to describe his customers, all his customers, called them effing idiots. And 
this was about 18 months ago and I, I actually wrote a piece about this just to show how stupid that kind of a, a, a statement could be. I mean, he, he did actually write an open letter and he apologised for it and everything else. But, and, and to be honest, knew that he wasn't going to lose any customers over it because they have a monopoly, basically. Well, this is it's a bit of a captive and, market, isn't it? That's the thing, is that he's, no, I suppose, yeah, it feels very yeah. free to say whatever he likes kind of thing. And of, yeah, and one of my points was when I wrote about it was, you know, he can get away with it. He knows he can get away with it. And this time, by imposing this pricing structure the way he did it, it's because he knows he can just get away with it. And he knows he can pedal back if people don't don't like it. He can go, oh, sorry, again. To me, his communication absolutely has blown his reputation to smithereens, his lack of communication. Because if you look at it, just in, in the cold light of day, mm. as a leader... He's done really well with the companies he's led. Mm. Built those companies very well. Eric goes as far as to say he's a genius. I don't think he's a genius because his communication lets him down so bad. But in terms of his business prowess and his business instincts, he's done a really good job. He's probably earned his multi-millions and nobody begrudges people that do a great job. But for me, doing a great job includes being a great communicator. Yeah, being a leader of a company includes being a great communicator. And what people like JR fail to understand is that lives get disrupted by wanton, reckless, selfish actions. Mm. He selfishly and wantonly and recklessly decided that he was going to force through that decision. And lives are affected. People that work within Unity, and I know some people that work within Unity, they're, you know, they had to cancel going to weddings because they had clients going crazy at them. You know, so many worries of developers thinking, I'm going out of business. This can't happen. Other developers literally switching off their ads in in on Unity's platform and say, We, we, you know, we're we're striking. We yeah. are not spending any more money with you. So many different people just totally upset and discombobulated because one man decides to rush through some ill-thought strategic move to make revenue. Now, some people argue that he feels that, that, that he probably felt that even if he was rushing it through, he needed to make a mark in some way. They had to make, they had to make some money in some way. And they did. But believe you me, there were much better ways of doing it, even if he'd consulted within his own four walls, within Unity itself. His employees were upset with him. His mm. investors would, were upset with him because the stock took a dive. He lost his own credibility amongst his customer base. Um, you know, the whole thing was just really awful, and only because of the way that it was communicated. In which it was communicated. It actually led me, listeners, when we decided that we were going to... Um talk about this topic on the podcast this week it led me to do a bit of a bit of a look up bit of a deep dive on on what makes a good leader what makes good leadership and and try and tie it in as best we can with communication and actually the importance of communicating things clearly when it comes to being a good leader i didn't have to search very far as i'm sure you can imagine this is because there are books written about leadership you know if you want to go and become a great leader if you assume a position of responsibility in your work there are self-help books that have been written left right and center there are podcasts out there i mean diary of a ceo is obviously like sort of full of advice when it comes to leadership you know 
not really my thing know. but, but anyway. uh, not my thing but but you know all power to him it's a very successful podcast and we love no him on. you know if you're if, if if you're about we'd love to have you on but yeah I actually found a list of things that you know you would look at and go okay that makes a great leader and it again didn't require all that much kind of looking for to find clear times when it comes to communication there were seven things listeners inspire and motivate others display integrity and honesty solve problems and analyze issues drive for results communicate powerfully and prolifically collaborate and promote teamwork and build relationships now i mean that's a list i'll link that in the episode description that listeners is a list from strategicpeoplesolutions.com it's just something i found there were any number of other things out there but what was really interesting there is this is of those seven headings and they're described you know sort of you know in slightly more in depth when it comes to going on that particular article communicate clearly and you know powerfully and prolifically is very high up there as is drive for results it strikes me i don't know about you jackie it strikes me that jr took the drive for results and ran with it at 100 miles yeah, an hour i didn't see any collaboration and there. ignored the promotion of teamwork ignored the building relationships ignored the communicating powerfully and prolifically and just drove for results and actually you could argue and this might be a controversial take on this but you could argue that if he i mean he's been insofar as i know and i don't know as much about this as i said right at the top of this episode as, as you do jackie but i've kind of been aware based on our conversations with eric and other people in the industry i've been aware that jr as we'll call him has been opining about this idea of monetization within unity and within gaming for a long while even before unity made this controversial move had he done the other things being clear and prolific and competent with his communication, involved those within the organization, built relationships before making this move, it would have seemed a bit less knee-jerk and out of the blue. And I'm not saying he would have completely gotten away with it, but people would have been aware of what was on the horizon and would have got their head around how they were going to manage it and deal with it, as opposed to you well, know, having to backtrack. The interesting thing is that it was it is no surprise that Unity needed to change their business model. It is no surprise they needed to find some revenues to to you know to be able to provide the value to the their shareholders. They, none of this was a surprise. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people have been saying it for quite a long time. So the surprise was this imposition of an unfair tax. I think that's probably the best way you can describe it. And the the very clear motivations were not all only the fact that they need to make money, but also they wanted to drive everybody, all of the Unity subscribers to their ads platform because they wanted to basically shoot a rocket at their major competitor at Lovin on the ad side. So... He was trying to kill two birds with one stone, effectively, basically saying, we're charging you this tax, but you won't have to pay it at all if you go and use our ads platform. And again, this is something I said when I wrote about him last time, was that it shocked me the level of not understanding the way his own industry worked. Um, some people will say that, yeah, he did spend a lot of time trying to, to take a deep dive into it and everything else. But games as a whole have very many genres you know there's the only few it's not all games that are monetized by ads you know they, they can be monetized by subscriptions they can be free to play completely they can be you know monetized by in-app purchases there's you know there's lots and lots of different ways that, that games are monetized 
and particularly narrative based games are not going to be or any there are many different genres that this wouldn't apply to um in terms of you know being able to suddenly go oh we'll we'll skip the charge by just signing up to the to their ad, to unity ads so you know it was just so badly conceived and 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 executed that if he had just collaborated a bit more to use one of your words if he had just spoken with his team, if he'd informed everybody within the organisation, he would have got some of these uh, very salient points coming back to say, listen, you, you know, if you do that, then this. If you do that, then this. Now, he may well have thought all these things through and thought, well, it just sounds like a ball ache, I'll do it anyway. But I mean... See, he did, because yeah. only intelli- any intelligent person would know their audience, surely. And know their customers surely so maybe he did just think oh it's gonna be a massive ball egg i'll just do it anyway see what reaction i get and do a bit of a backpedal then you see that's reckless and i don't think reckless is in the list of qualities of leadership no reckless is not the secret number eight <laughs> on the list of things i just rattled off there because he was strategic people solutions.com no you're absolutely spot on i mean again i've done certain amounts of research here but you can probably correct me if i'm wrong here like JR has gone in to Unity. I, I don't think JR, please do correct me if I'm if I'm struggling here. I don't think JR has been there since the beginning of Unity. Am I right? Or, is, or has JR been there since the beginning? No, no. Of... No, no. I don't know the composition of the board. I think there were some original founders on the board. But no, JR came from, I think he might have even been at Sarah Lee. I can't remember. But he's definitely worked his way through various different This is the thing. And, and established great credibility for his results and and you know he's done very well but it needed i think for me and we're kind of going to go on to talk about leadership and how important communication is within leadership and some examples of very good leadership in all walks of life particularly business if we possibly can but to me great leadership in this context and there are some great examples we could rattle off here is knowing what your strengths are as you go into an organization and if you're going to go into a leadership position in a new organization and hit the ground running for me it's all about establishing what's already been very very good and just putting a slightly different slant that's your own slant on what's some already very good business operations so some examples i'd use and i rattled them off before we went live there's obviously a business one which i used which was tim cook like him or loathe him tim cook went into apple after steve jobs passed away and tim cook has for the last 10 years been revolutionizing still further Apple's operations and what they do over there at Apple and and they're still an extraordinarily profitable and successful business I used a football example much as I'm loath to use it and it's not just because Jackie's on the podcast but Roberto De Zerbi is a fantastic football manager he's done extraordinary things at Jackie's beloved Brighton Hove Albion Brighton were already doing very very well under Graham Potter it felt like the roof was going to collapse in when Potter left for Chelsea because but well maybe it didn't actually because We've discussed before how Brighton actually have a very, very good way of recruiting. And, they have a and very, very things. good managing you know. staff. They have a yeah. very good owner. Exactly. Uh, well, Tony Bloom is an example of a fantastic leader because the yeah. parameters change and he continually, you know, exceeds expectations. But Deserby went Paul in. Barber, that's the... That's Paul Barber, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's who, it. Who just runs a very tight ship and communicates. Now, guess what? Have a think about, let's imagine that Richard Branson, who I class as a very good leader and an extremely good communicator. Mm. Just imagine if Richard Branson was in unity, because he's also a ruthless businessman. Mm. You don't get get to where Richard Branson is by not being 
a ruthless businessman and taking hard decisions. What do you think Richard would have done if he'd been faced with with where unity is? Well, what would be really interesting is to actually analyse what he would have done post this all blowing up. But also, you might be able to tell me a little bit more about what he might have done pre it, what he might have done differently. But I can tell you exactly what he would have done post it is he's straight in front of everybody and he's communicating very, very well. He's choosing his words very, very carefully. He's making sure everyone's on the same page when it comes to their messaging. And he's being the public face of the crisis and he's Mm. taking it all on and going. I understand people's concerns. It was my decision I promise that you're going to see results. Everyone's going to see that in the fullness of time, this is the right thing to do, not just for ourselves here at Unity, but for you know gamers and developers worldwide. And just basically trying his hardest to put everyone at ease, like that example you used in a previous episode of the podcast, when I think it was the trains, there was a, a virgin There's train train accident a train collision and and a train crash and and he went out if he was like there at the scene within hours and communicating to everyone saying look we're going to conduct a full investigation and this is something that we take very very seriously was just straight on it in the public face in a way that i'm assuming jr hasn't quite been in the face of this he's gone now hasn't he he's gone you know jr has now retired yeah Funny not even that. resigned he's just, re- just retired he's just gone right cool you know <laughs> see you later yeah well we'll come on we'll come back to that but I did you know I sat there thought I thought to myself what would Richard Branson have done as head of unity and I think the first thing that he would have done would he would have got to know his staff and this was the interesting thing if you look at if you look back at him, him and and read his books and everything else he does actually get to know the people within his businesses those pictures of him with you know the flight attendants on the virgin on the steps of a virgin aeroplane are staged but they're that you know they are representative of the fact he will have talked to every one of those flight attendants he'll know quite a lot of them by their first names he cert you know he certainly gets to know people he's a people person actually and he's much quieter and much more humble than you 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 think as well so i think pre this announcement he would have had a good solid and I think one of another quality of leadership is the ability to read the room. And I mean, read your company room. Yeah. And he has a good, solid ability to read the room of the people within his company. And so I think with that kind of empathy, and I do put that down a bit to his neurodiversity, I have to say, that he can understand, he can get, he can get his own personal litmus test about how things are done, could be done, should be done. And he's he's quite mercurial, he's quite magical that way. Now, if that had happened within Unity, I think there would have been, because there's so many disgruntled Unity employees now, I can't even tell you. There's not one Unity employee I know that's really happy. They're getting it in the neck everywhere they go because they represent something that's gone horribly wrong. And I don't think Richard Branson would want his staff to go through that so I think he I think he builds very motivated very inclusive cultures and what you have within you with unity is a not motivated and definitely not a very inclusive culture absolutely absolutely that's one sort of thing I thought it'd be quite interesting to sort of juxtapose (laughs) that situation but you mentioned Deserby coming in as a leader and it's really this really interesting I know we're moving it over to football but 
with football, you're you're still working with a huge team of people. You're not just working with your footballers. You're working with your backroom staff. You're working with your boss, your big owner boss, your managing director boss, your fans, as we found out from our great friend. Stakeholders, uh, you know, stakeholders. Yeah, yeah. about community and fan base. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Your manager sits in the middle of that maelstrom. And leadership is so important for a football manager. And the great leaders, Sir Alex Ferguson, I'll take a nod back to you on that. You know, Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. You know, other great football Bobby managers. Robson. Bobby Robson, Sir Bobby. You know, all of these people, all these men knew their audiences. They yeah. knew how to communicate to all of them and did that prolifically. You know, you see Deserby prolifically talking to his his fan base, to his to everybody about what he's doing. And I think what he's managed to do is build a community. And we come back to the community again and again and again on this podcast. We come we come back to it with crisis. If you've yeah. got a great community, it makes it easier to handle crisis. We come back to it with now leadership. Uh, with fan bases it's just it's fascinating I find the whole subject of leadership fascinating and also I think there is this misnomer that a leader kind of has to go in and that and again lots of these books and lots of these podcasts and lots of these you know tv snippets will kind of rail against what I'm about to say which is that some people still have this widely held opinion that there's like a look to a leader I mean there's a there's a look and like an aura and to a certain extent you know, you look at sort of events throughout history and I got a bit sidetracked when I was doing my research about sort of, you know, great historical leaders. And then you go back as far as like Churchill and, you know, kings that England have had and, you know, sort of European military leaders and, you know, Napoleon and whatever, you know what I mean? And et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, fair enough. Maybe they had like an aura. I mean, we'll never know because we weren't there, but maybe they had like a, a real aura and an energy and they looked the part. But actually, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, when he arrived at Manchester United from Aberdeen all those years ago, Manchester United was a mess. And he very nearly bore the brunt of how much of a mess it was. A lot of people forget that he very nearly got the sack two years into him being Man United manager. And all of that might never have happened. But I point to empathy is a fantastic word you used. I think empathy, I'm I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of empathy at the moment because of all sorts of other things that are going on in, in my life as well. This idea of really getting down on the level of people you're dealing with and you're collaborating with and, and who you love and care about. And instead of just being like, oh, I'm really sorry that's happening to you, get down there and like have it happen to you in a similar way, like metaphorically or otherwise, like mm. find ways to relate to mm. people who work for you and work with you. Right. And that's something that I imagine Richard Branson is really good at doing. You know, if someone mm. comes to him with a problem and goes, oh, I'm really struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, you know, he's not going to know. It's unlikely that he's going to know the specific ins and outs of an air steward having a tough time on his flights because he's not been a flight attendant, right? He, well, he might've been, I don't know the history of him, but he's recently, he's not been a flight attendant, but he'll be able to turn around and go, the problems you're having are not dissimilar to the problems I've had recently with this, this, and this. We can share stories, swap stories. I can stick sharing this metaphor, but a big thing for me as well is this adaptability, right? Going in and seeing, which JR clearly didn't do or didn't do very, very well but which Tim Cook did very well, which Deserby I think has done better than any manager in recent memory, if I'm being really honest, is he went in and went, this is already great. 
this is already so good. Like everyone here is happy. Everyone's, you know, having a reasonably good time. What can I do to elevate, right? Without shaking the cage too much. Like I, I, I've come in here not to just tread water and sort of keep things on a level. I've come in here to empathize with everyone, to build these relationships, know my audiences and elevate it still further. Here's an interesting, here's an interesting question for you. Because I think all the people we've started mentioning as good leaders are actually insanely authentic. You know, they are so, so authentic. They, they're not trying to be a Churchill. They're not trying to be a Richard Branson. Richard Branson isn't trying to be anybody else. He is himself. They are entirely authentic. His question, do you think leaders are made or born or both some people are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust <laughs> upon them i believe it was will kemp God, yeah, i asked you lyle <laughs> i'm a shakespeare i'm a shakespeare i'm trained and yeah. this is this is a this is a shakespeare thing isn't it where's it from anyway regardless of that i mean i think it's really interesting i mean am i allowed to sit on the fence and say it's a bit of both you can do what you like I'm because i think <laughs> because I think if you're born into a situation where well, I think some people are born into situations where they have absolutely no choice but to be a leader very, very early on, like very, very early on in their life. Well, like it's Prince, like different William. Prince William. I mean, far be it from me to compare myself to Prince William. And we're going way off piste here. And <laughs> I want to clarify what I'm about to say for my family who are listening. Like everyone is now fine. My dad has been on the podcast. I love my dad very much. I love my mom very much. I don't think I've even told you this, Jackie, but I was... 12 going on 13 just about when my dad and my mum separated they're back together but they separated when I was 13 and actually just before they separated my youngest brother Niles who's now hulking great 22 year old and very healthy indeed when he was four years old he had a stroke um as I might have mentioned to to our listeners before and I was the eldest of my three brothers and whilst I wasn't born into a leadership role and whilst it's difficult for some people I imagine to go oh yeah that's obviously leadership I felt like I was in a leadership role when I was that age because for various difficult reasons, my dad couldn't be there all the time. And he was obviously the quintessential man in the house. My mum was really struggling. My youngest brother was quite poorly. And I had to learn quite quickly how to kind of do certain things that would embody and encompass the role of a leader within the household and with the family. I wasn't born a leader by any stretch. In fact, if you ask my friends, they go, F no, is that man a leader? No way. You know, he's, you know, you know, whatever, right? But I assumed some of these roles at a very young age. I think some people, that's obviously in my own personal example, but some people are born into situations where they have no choice but to kind of as they grow, learn how to be leaders. And then it gets to a point where you're, you know, nine, ten in your football team and you go, even though he's only, he's the same age as me and he's 10, just like me, that that boy there, my mate, is quite obviously the leader of this team, the leader of this classroom or whatever. But I also think you can learn. I think you can definitely learn how to be a leader. I think you can. I think there's enough resources out there. There are enough great examples out there. And it also comes down to, we've obviously spoken a lot about community and we've spoken a lot about messaging before on the podcast, but we're increasingly talking about this thing, passion, this word passion and value. And what is your value and what do you give value to? You know, what, what is the most valuable thing in your life? What's the most valuable idea? What's the most valuable industry or whatever? And if you feel passionately about something and you want to affect some sort of change within that industry and you have a passion and a fire for it and you think you can add some value to it, 
then you can definitely learn how to be a leader within it because it's already there. Most of the battles are already won. You know, really. It is interesting, isn't it? Because I think about the leaders that I know within the games industry or the leaders I know that have sort of come through the tech industry. If you if you pluck out Bill Gates, for example, a nerdy tech guy, or if you look at a, a more recent example, Adam Ferugi at AppLovin on the tech side of things, both technicians, not necessarily the sales guys, the rah, rah, rahs. Then I look at other leaders from, you know, in, in the games industry, a lot of these people are just normal coders, developers who've had, as you said, leadership thrust upon them. And sometimes people don't actually think they're leaders. Like you were saying, you don't, you got into a position of great responsibility. It was thrust upon you and you rose to the occasion. And I think a lot of people, some of the better leaders are actually those ones who aren't doing it for ego who aren't leading for personal acceptance or personal applause or you know they don't they don't want necessarily the limelight and I certainly meet a lot of business leaders yesterday's a great example actually at Game Forum I was there with a couple of business leaders one of their people had gone sick and I had to step in and host a panel on behalf of them and one of the business leaders was, was there and, and she's brilliant she's absolutely brilliant one of the most intelligent women I know but she she'd just rather get on with her her job and do what she wants to do. she doesn't want to be in front of people she doesn't want to be doesn't want the limelight and that's what I'm talking about it's people that don't who are good leaders who don't necessarily want the limelight they don't want to do to 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 lead because of that and I think sometimes those are the the best leaders because they're authentic and and they want the best for their staff they want the best for their their investors they want the you know to to drive the best results they don't necessarily want the limelight and i think that x factor comes in when you have got somebody who goes okay i can do the limelight thing too not i have to have the limelight i am the leader look at me this is great it's kind of like okay i understand that's part of the job let me do it and let me find out how to do that as well as I can. Absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting you talk about sort of having leadership positions like sort of thrust upon you. Something that just immediately sprung to mind for me actually was Southgate. So, and I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to football, but I feel like no, they're I like, really interesting. I like using football as an analogy because yeah. it's such an easy one to understand because yeah. you are managing a team of players in, mm. in business or in whatever. Yeah. It's the, same, it's the same thing. But it's the really interesting thing about kind of not really wanting the limelight and not, you know, Gareth Southgate stepped up because Sam Allardyce had two games as England manager. It might even have been one game. And then he, as part of a sting by the sun, got caught, you know, being a bit crooked when it came to player transfers while he was a club manager. And the FA had no choice but to get rid of him. And Most corrupt sport in yeah, the world. Oh, it's madness, isn't it? I mean, football. we could do a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not going to subject you to doing a football podcast. I'll do that with, you know, someone who doesn't mind me ranting and raving about my own <laughs> ridiculous football team. But Gareth Southgate in 2016 was then, because he was the England under-21s manager at the time, and they were like, this is a stopgap. Gareth Southgate, now sir, Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate was, you know, or is it, is it sir? It is sir, isn't it? He is sir. <laughs> He, he, no, Gareth Southgate OBE. It will be Sir at some point. It's not Sir. It is OBE. Don't talk to you, mate, Prince William. <laughs> yeah, God, don't talk to Prince William. And also, let's let's be very careful about knighting people on the podcast before they've even been honoured by by our royal family. But the like, Gareth Southgate OBE, 
he, you know, at the time, just Gareth Southgate used to manage Middlesbrough to, you know, sort of relative acclaim, played for Crystal Palace, played for Middlesbrough, played for England famously, missed a penalty famously for England. And Gareth Southgate took on the England job because the FA were like, right now we just need to take stock of who actually is available. We've just gone through this huge process of appointing Sam Allardyce as England manager and he's done this. It's yours until we find someone better. And so there was no limelight. There was no ego. There was no, oh, look at me. I'm England manager now. He it was basically made to do the job. Not made. Obviously, he still had to accept it. But it was like, you know, and he's now been England manager for seven years. One of our longest serving England managers in the post-war era. One of the most successful as well without winning anything. But maybe that's what I found it really interesting what you're saying there. Maybe that's what made him such a good leader. And maybe that is what makes these people in the gaming industry such good leaders as well. Is Because first and foremost, they're passionate about what it is they're Thank leading and, and the business they're leading. You know, they're passionate about that industry. So they're passionate. You know, Gareth Southgate is a passionate football man. So he's had to learn more about leadership and more about his audience as he's gone on. But first and foremost, he's passionate about football and passionate about the England football team. These people you met a game for him yesterday are passionate about the businesses they lead and the work those businesses do. Then in the fullness of time, as they've assumed these leadership positions, they've learned more about their audience. They've learned more about leadership skills. They've, obviously, they already had some. But, you know, I'm just saying that maybe that's there's obviously no exact science, but maybe that's the order. Maybe that's the recipe. Like, first and foremost, have the passion, the drive, because then and I'm not saying JR wasn't passionate about unity. Don't get me wrong. But I think if he really cared about the output, and maybe that's a bit scandalous to say, but if he really cared about the output and he really cared about his employees and he really cared about his stakeholders, a.k.a. the developers and the gamers, as opposed to calling them, and I quote, some of the biggest effing idiots in an interview, like you said, and I've just read it word for word without swearing, thankfully. You know, maybe if he cared about those things from the first, from the outset, and then learned, felt his way through leadership skills from a, from that starting point, things like this wouldn't happen. Like, you know, huge incendiary moments like this wouldn't have happened. I know. And and maybe I think a lot of it is cultural mm. as well. I mean, we look at, when you look at, especially America, you know, America literally focuses so heavily on business leaders and mm. leadership and I think a, a, a too vast a proportion of emphasis is put on, you know, the stars in the C-suite. And it's really interesting. I was having a great chat yesterday with um, Peter Coyman, who uh, is ex-Miniclip, and he's just set up his own uh, new studio, Half Moon Gaming, which is all based around AI, which is fascinating in itself. Um, That's cool. We were talking about his contention that nowadays you have to have many hats as a and as an employable person because we have all these technologies that are coming up to do a lot of the things that we can we have to be able to maybe code and market and be an office manager or whatever so we have to have, have many hats and be a generalist rather than be a specialist and there's a big school of thinking that people nowadays to succeed and to be ultimately employable, um, can't just niche down in one thing and have to be much more generalistic. And I think, honestly, leaders have to be, good leaders have to be generalistic. They have to be able to understand how 
their facility works, as well as how their product is made, as well as as how to motivate their salespeople, as well as how to bring sustainability into the C-suite and understand the communications that you have to do and understand the fire safety and everything else. As leaders, you have to be able to think across your entire organization and identify with everybody within your organization like that, you know, without having to spend huge amounts of time on it, otherwise you drive yourself crazy. So therefore you have to have, you know, you have to, you have to be able to have that authentic empathy and understanding and interest and passion. And I think ego has to come right out of it. Well, listeners, to bring this one to to a close for this week on leadership, I mean, I'm very lucky, and I'm not just saying this because she's here. I'm very lucky that I get to work with and host a podcast with a fantastic <laughs> lead in of herself. Uh, but actually, joking aside, there was a great example, and we keep we, every now and again we do hark back to this. It was a phone conversation we had when I kind of left the Mozo full time, and now you know before I end up doing what I do now, we never let go. That's yeah. Your- <laughs> well, no, but I, I maybe I never let go because I had a great leader, a eh? but, but also because you were so empathetic in that phone conversation. You were well within your rights at the time to have brought ego right to the forefront, but you don't have an ego like that. But you could have quite easily gone, "Well, this is the most I can't believe you're leaving." Blah 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 blah. But instead, you were like, the first thing you said was, "To be honest, Lyle, the second we had that conversation where I brought you on board, I knew that this would probably happen," and that. You you will never know just how much better that made me feel. And I know probably at, at the time it probably sounded like it was, you know, oh, you know, I, I always knew you were going to kind of back up. It didn't, I'd never received it that way. It was you understanding that I had a passion for other things and like kind of giving me an, enough rope to kind of run away with on that. And it was no surprise, was it really, that three months later I was like, look, I'm, I'm itching to get back involved. Yeah, get a job. Yeah, don't suppose you've got anything going, have you? But I mean, I think it is that, isn't it? It's It's... You know, we talked about stakeholders a lot with 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 Kevin and with other guests as well we've had. And, yeah. you know, when it comes to football, that is, you know, that's your fans and that's your shareholders in, in the club. But, you know, stakeholders, when it comes to any business, is pretty much, and I'm probably being a bit non-specific here, a bit vague, it's pretty much anyone who's involved in your enterprise, really. And as long as you're empathetic, so literally, and you have the ear, or they have your ear, every audience has your ear, right? And you're going to have some... And it's, don't get me wrong, it's tough. It, it At times it can be instinctive or it has to be instinctive because things are happening so quickly. You have to instinctively be there and make the right calls. And, you know, people who are good at that, yourself included, well, I mean you that, like they envy of me, right you know. Calls. And I think that's another thing that people on the outside, final thought really, because this was my thought going into this whole podcast with you, we never really think about leaders when they're good. No, no, that's a good really? point. Really we never really think, oh, who's leading that business? Oh, they must be a good leader. No. We never think about it. Uh, to me, if there's no trouble going on with that business, that must mean they've got a good leader. <laughs> you, so yeah. it, it's it's a thankless task. So, so to all of those great leaders out there who are getting no acknowledgement for their very great work, keeping these businesses running, and you can be a leader in whatever kind of a business you're in or whatever kind of a team you're running. If you're not getting any criticism, you must be doing a great job. That's it. I mean, the old adage is, and again, I'm so sorry to keep bringing it back to my to one of my true loves, one of well, my great passions. No, well, William Shakespeare, although, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I've managed to get that quote in finally. We're what, 60 plus episodes in, 3,000 plus streams as well. Thank you, listeners. We're absolutely delighted that <laughs> happened in the last week or so. But the old adage, actually, sadly, when it comes to not just football, but all teams all, of, of any sport, is when things are going well, the players are 
doing so great. Oh, how good, how well are the players playing? They're playing absolutely brilliantly. When things are going badly, it's like, oh, it's been, the manager's struggling, <laughs> right? It's never the other way around, is it? It's never the players are struggling if things aren't going all that well with a football team. And it's never, oh, how well is the manager, you know, doing in terms of getting the best out of these players? You don't really hear about the manager unless things are going uber, uber well, like, you know, Pep Guardiola style. It's always, oh, the players are playing brilliantly. And that just sort of lends itself to that that mantra. It is a thankless task being a leader, because if you do a great job, doing a great job basically means you're not going to get talked about. You're absolutely spot on. We will be here. Happy people who aren't complaining. That's it. We will be here, though. If you're a leader out there, if you're in any way a leader of any enterprise and you want to come on the podcast, we will tell everyone how great you are. If you want to come on the podcast, get in touch. I'm going to do a couple of renewed call outs. Branson, if you're listening, I know you do. You're a big fan. That might be the second or third time. Come on the podcast. We'd love to speak to you. Tim Cook, we'd love to speak to you. Every, anyone and everyone. JR, come and defend yourself out of retirement. That will never in a million years happen. I think if it did, I would have to prep to the nines. <laughs> You'd have for, to run for the hills. I'd have to run for the hills. I'd leave Jackie to turn, turn the camera off. Yes, yeah, like him on his own. But listeners, thank you so, so much. Speaking of, if you do want to come on the podcast, any of those names, obviously very much welcome. But if you are anyone and everyone who has a topic they want to discuss or you want to shout to the rooftops about what you're doing with your own businesses, we absolutely love to speak to you here on the podcast. You can get in touch with us, info at the rest is or info at demozo.com. You can also go to both of those websites and we will be updating them constantly with everything that's going on with the podcast at the rest is and everything that is going so brilliantly well for Demozo at the moment. Really do check those out as well. You can also follow us on X at the rest is PR, capital T, capital R, capital I, capital PR. That's starting to grate on me less now as X becomes more and more of a thing that's being said and used around. But yeah, still head to Twitter because that's still a gripe for mine. And also, if you want to get in touch with us via LinkedIn, you can do so. Jackie Balls laugh or we'll pick messages up on that platform as well. Jackie, we love Thursdays. Same time next week. We've got guests coming up as well. Guests are starting to come back in, which is great news. So how do you feel about next week, next Thursday? Fabulous. Super stuff. Well, thank you so much for being with us once again, listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Rest is PR. But for the time being, from Jackie and myself, have a lovely rest of your week. Take care of yourselves. It's bye for now.